Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And today again, I have the president of the Nicolay Bible Institute, Jeremy Lundgren, with us. Jeremy, why, why are you a president of something? What, what constitutes your qualifications to make you a president of a something like Nicolay Bible Institute? I mean, I, when I say that, everyone's going, ooh, you know, we're talking to the big guy, and we are. But what is it actually that, that constitutes qualifications, or what are your qualifications? Sure, and you know, to be the president of anything is a, uh, I think a, a, a big deal, an important thing to be a part of. And you know, we we talked last time about my academic qualifications with a PhD in theology from Wheaton College, a couple master's degrees, experience teaching in higher education and uh, some ministerial experience uh, being a youth pastor and elder at a church and you know I asked myself that question you know what are my qualifications for being the president here and I think you need uh, direction I think you need to see potential in something and the willingness to to do the work and it's not always uh, you know glamorous fun things but just to, to be committed to be a servant and help something like NBI uh, move in a good direction in the future, and uh, you know, you, you and I, as we talked about this position a year or so ago, as we, as I looked at NBI, uh, its role with Silver Birch Ranch, its role with young people, things like that, uh, just praying, how could I, how could I lead this uh, Bible Institute? How could I help young people grow closer to God? How could I help, uh, you know, in in some small way, build the kingdom of God? And so uh, that's. You know, that, that's what motivated me, drew me to do this, and uh, you know, trusting God for grace along the way to do what he gives, gives me to do each day. Yeah, you know, I think it's really um, fun to have people that are dedicated to students in a smaller environment so that they can know who it is that's making the decisions in the institution. For example, you're the president, but you teach classes, kids Correct. come and talk to you. Correct. You know all the students. And uh, we have Ethan, another teacher, correct, who's well qualified. And he lives right across the street from camp right now, and, right. and 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 myself, who teaches a class. So these students are integrated with normal life, and the professors live with them and share life with them, and it's a very unique experience uh, for the kids. It is, it is, and it's. Uh you know, the, the various activities that the students are involved with at the camp as well, that's something as new students apply, we'll, we'll talk with them on the phone, interview them, and one of the things we, uh, you know, try to make known to them just so they know, but also because uh, we hope it encourages them, motivates them, is the crucial role that they play at the camp here, serving in various ways. So they, uh, you know, during uh, the school year, retreaters come up here for a weekend, and the students are there serving in, a, in various ways. And I love that because they are engaged in hard work, uh, sometimes physically demanding or mentally demanding work, uh, but they are learning how to do that in service of others. And uh, that's one of the things I appreciate about NBI, where students aren't just focused on classroom or academic work and how to do that, you know, get a theological education, but how to work alongside others and, and serve others in a way that is glorifying to God and hopefully make connections uh, between what they're learning about God, how they understand uh, who Christ is, their relationship with him, and how that extends into, into all of life. Right. You know, I, I think it's such a natural because obviously I've been here many years and yes. doing what I'm doing. 
But the, the obvious fruit of somebody who knows God, understands their value to God, they become servants. They do. And, and so when you're forced into a servant role, it says a lot about who you are. And you have to do a lot of self-reflection, a lot of trying to understand, why am I so miserable being a servant? Or why am I enjoying being a servant? And, and that, that gives us a lot of opportunity to discuss with young people what's going on in your mind. What's the purpose of your life? It is. And, you, you know, one of the things that stands out to me, so typically the students, they come here uh, at a freshman level right out of high school. And Dave, when I was a freshman in college, I regularly, uh, pretty much every weekend, drove home. I lived about two hours away from home. Okay. And I don't know why I went home. Uh, I just, you know, sometimes it was to do laundry or to get some good food or something right. like that. But I would, you know, I'd uh, find social life. There were other things I would do on Thursday nights or even on Friday night, and then go home on Saturday morning. Uh, so it wasn't that I was lonely per se, but I just, I didn't know what I was doing. And there were kind of these empty pursuits, things you could go after just, to, you know, typical, like go have fun on right. a college campus, things like that. And I would just get drawn home and I would go home and my parents would even say, why did you come home this weekend? You know, yep. at first they were like, oh, we miss you. Thanks for coming home. But then they would just say, why are you here? Uh, you know, in a, right. lo in a sure. loving way, uh, you know, because they wanted me to develop right. my life and have things to do. And it took me a while. It took me probably, you know, three, three school years or so to finally just be content. Uh, and this is how that relates to what you were saying about being a servant, to just be content with where I was at and do what God had given me to do. And, you know, part of this program, we uh, we have a busy schedule for the students on the weekends, uh, things for them to do so they don't have to worry about how, how am I going to spend my time. But they are in a situation, and perhaps this could, you know, re relating it to myself, this could accelerate the process uh, for those students where instead of kind of feeling like they're floating, uh, what, what direction am I going? Uh, we help give direction uh, for those students and here's something to do, here's something important, here's something valuable. And then I think it does take time, it takes maturity to get to a place where you're you're content in that moment in whatever right. it is that, and I've had to learn that lesson many times over and over again in my life, uh, just to be content with the place that God's given you. Uh, you, know, there, you know, we can always have envy, look at what else might be going on over here or over there, but just to um, send junior hires down the zip line. Right. On, on a Saturday or to serve breakfast right. to uh, a woman's group on a Sunday morning or whatever right. whatever it might be and to, to find joy in that simple thing God's given you to do. You know, it's, it's really interesting because we mentioned two things here that I think are really um, hallmarks of Christianity. One is servanthood. Yes. I mean, if you actually love God, you serve. And if you're not serving, I'm telling you, you're actually not loving God because those who love God serve because they understand why they're here. They understand we, we actually imitate our Heavenly Father who, while we were still sinners, sent Jesus down to serve and, and to give so that we could be in his family. Mm -hmm. So servanthood is one thing. Yes. But the, the other word that came to mind was community. Yes. Now, if, if you go to any church anywhere, and you've been involved as a pastor in, in a church, associate pastor, whatever the title might have been. Youth pastor. Uh, youth pastor. All right. So it's servanthood is a something we work on. Yet servanthood isn't, there, there are places that try and promote servanthood, and I'm not against this, but I'm saying they, they only do it for one week a year. Let's go on this mission trip and do this and do this. So people sacrifice for one week. Mm -hmm. 
And that's, okay, well, we did our servanthood thing. And, and you know what? I'm not minimizing that necessarily because my daughter did that, and she's been in Christian work ever since because she got the bug while she was on one of those. So, right. so I'm not minimizing it, but it's not a one-week thing, this servanthood thing. No, it's yeah. a way of life. And one-week things or, or short-term things like that, they can, they can help you get a taste of what it looks like uh, to be a servant uh, I, I know I've had that experience in my own life. I've seen that with, with youth where they, yeah, might, might go do something. And it's kind of this intense experience. I think about when Jesus sent out the 70, uh, you know, to the surrounding right. towns to preach the kingdom of God. That was a short-term mission trip or right. kind of the short-term thing they did. Uh, but yeah, it, it uh, shows you, gives you a taste so that I think as you grow, it becomes a pattern of life. And I, th- I think that's where you were oh, going with that is... Uh, in our own lives, we want service uh, service of others to be a pattern of life. And as we're training people up in what it means to be a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, uh, that, yeah, in um, unglamorous ways, yeah. uh, the kingdom of God is put forward. Christ is exalted as you are uh, giving your hands to uh, these tasks that yeah. God God puts before you. That's why I love MBI, because what it, what it does is it expands the weak thing. You know, I yes. mean, you have a weak and... Who knows where? You know, maybe you go down to Mexico or something with your, your youth group and you serve. And, and I'm all for that. And I would always encourage people to do that. But, okay, you still, on the end of it, I can endure almost anything for a week. You right. I mean? right. You put me in the worst situation where I can endure it. And, and I'm looking forward to getting home. But, but the weak thing can expose a lot of things in your life, uh, both that you need to work on, expose hungers, you know, um, I know when we took our daughters down, my, my wife and I wanted to make sure that while our kids still were listening to us, while they were young enough, right, that we would go on a, a, a exploratory mission thing. And we went down to Ecuador and visited some missionaries and went to all different places down there. Great. And, and actually, my, my youngest daughter got such a passion for the Hispanic-speaking people that she's involved with them to this day. That's great. You know, I mean, and, and so I can see that value that... But, but see, that those are sparks. Right. And, and what I see MBI as is something to build on the spark that, that might have been done in the local church. Okay, you, you've been here. You've seen the need. Um, now, now, let's talk about getting our lives in a place where God would use them uh, however he wants to. And, and and you're here long enough to uh, for for that initial excitement or interest to flourish and then to fade away and then right where you have to deal with your own character flaws because like you said you can endure anything for a week you can also be smi- you know smile have a good attitude right. uh, in front of other people for a week but uh, when it's January and uh, it, you know you, you've been doing it for a while uh, you know God. He's refining you, and I, yeah. I see that in the students. Uh, you know, you, you've done it for many years. I was only with uh, one group of students so far last year, uh, but with, even with them, I've been impressed to see the level of growth and maturity, uh, to see the, to see the downs, but then to see the ups afterwards as they've grown and matured and uh, built up perseverance and endurance in, in doing the things uh, that that they you know that they've committed to do that they have to do before them. Yeah. I, I think it's so valuable. We the servanthood idea obviously is something we keep talking about that God's talked about extensively. It's a fruit. You can go out and do it religiously and, and blow the whole thing apart, but it's a fruit. Th- those who love God serve, and then when you serve, you learn a lot about yourself. You do, and um, and and when you do it in a community, 
and and again community is important the the believers community is important it's a, it's a part of who we are and the kids live that way here yep. so so two very important aspects i think that nicolay bible really touches is is the idea of servanthood and and not just touching it for a week where i mean this is a year right so in a year you can get real tired of being a servant you can so, yes. so that gives time for you to get a lifestyle set up rather than a moment. Right. Uh, but, uh, again, it could be set up already because you were on a moment, a mission trip somewhere sure, or whatever sure. else it might be. And we do some of those within Nicolay Bible Institute, too. We, we do some moments where we go out. And we do. Uh, you know, we want to have a robust student life, have opportunities for students to do various things. So we... Uh, yeah, plan some trips. Uh, some of those are for the students to relax and have some fun, but there are also some uh, opportunities to serve at other camps or other churches throughout the year and try to have those at uh, key moments throughout the year uh, when the students are off of classes and uh, when they can go, um, yeah, go, go, many, go have, see some new scenery, uh, go to a new place. And yeah, now, now, how many students actually come to Nicolay Bible Institute in a year? Uh, it's it's typically around twenty to twenty five. Okay. Um, we're we're looking to grow that a little bit, uh, okay. encouraging more students to come. But and and we have uh, three people that are here full time as teachers. It, Correct. They teach part time because they're doing other things. You are pretty much full time. Right. MBI and and Ethan isn't, and I'll teach a class. And Correct. And we have uh, my brother comes in. And he's got his doctorate. And he t- he teaches a class. And yes. Uh, Dr. Steve Sanford, who was here before you, he teaches right. a class. So right. we, we the, the people that teach are very qualified to teach. They're, they are. They're, they're people who have a passion for it, have a passion for young people, walk with God. So we're excited about, about those opportunities. So if yep. you're listening and you've never looked at Nicolay Bible Institute, where do they find the information? NicolayBibleInstitute.org, uh, or you can go to SilverBirchRanch.org, and you'll see a link to NBI on that page. Okay, and I encourage you to check it out. It's not for everybody, but I tell you, it's one thing to think you uh, were trained in servanthood because you went on a mission trip for a week. It's another to take that experience and blend it with a whole year of service at a place like Silver Birch Ranch, Northwoods Retreat, some of the things that we do here, and, uh, and then really get refined. The, the students that do come, they, they not only interact with us as teachers, they have others they interact with, correct? Right. So when they are serving uh, on the weekends, the, they might be in a various area. So we've got other uh, staff up here at Silver Birch Ranch. And so if you're in the kitchen, you'll be with the kitchen staff. If you are in the canteen, you'll be with the canteen staff, whatever that might be, the housekeeping staff, maintenance staff. And so we've got a great uh, staff here of godly men and women who are here to serve uh, yeah. here. At, and they all get mentored by game. somebody that's here. And, and they, got me- they yeah. get mentored, yep. So they get yep. some individual attention besides the classes and um, and, and, you know, the classes, when the classes are size 20 to 30, you can, you can keep track of who's coming and who isn't. So it's always very personal. It is. Uh, it at is. those levels, too. So yeah. it's not like we're standing in front of a class of 150 at a college and everyone leaves and you never see them until the next week. No, no. And it, it, it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, coming to NBI from other academic settings and seeing there's an interesting blend that we try to maintain here at NBI of uh, some formality and some informality. And so uh, in the classroom to have an appropriate level of academic formality where we are are teaching, the students are participating in the class on that level. There's notes to take, 
quizzes to take, uh, homework to turn in, things along those lines. But one of the things I appreciate is how uh, a class might end, and then we walk uh, out the, out of the door of the classroom into the dining hall, and then that's when there, where that level of informality and familiarity and relationship can grow, where uh, then we, we can be joking about something, we can be having a serious conversation about something, uh, something going on maybe, maybe personally, uh, or, or just having fun, talking about the weekend, talking about your schedule, things you're going to do. And so I really appreciate that, that blend of interactions with the students, uh, with, with the other um, teachers at NBI and, and with the rest of the uh, you know, staff community here at yeah. Silver Birch Ranch. You know, it's, it's exciting to see students um, that come here. I think students who are going to be going into a trade, let's say welding or, sure. or building, I think they should all take a year like Nicolay Bible Institute. Because they're the missionaries to the welders. They're the missionaries to the tradespeople. Um, we, we also work with those who want to go and be missionary pilots. And we right. have a place that they can go after this. And, you know, the fun part is at Nicolay Bible Institute, we see every individual as part of the body. Yes. Our job is to get them to love God, walk with them, enjoy God, and to demonstrate that as older people to them how that's done, both in our marriages and in our lives and in our interactions with them. And it's small enough where we can do that for a year and I think the fruit is, is um, abundant. So I'm so thankful for that program. And I'm thankful for you, Jeremy. Oh, thank you. Your wife, Casey, being up here and, and being a part of this whole situation where we're trying to take young people and give them a genuine understanding of what a real relationship with God looks like. And they could be scattered all over the world or they could be the next person, you know, that's bagging your groceries at Walmart. Right. And it's still a vital part of the kingdom work. It and, is. And we get to teach them that. It is. It's a privilege, and I, I appreciate getting to know all these uh, all these students and, and seeing where they where they go after NBI. Now, you you teach a doctrine course here. I do. And, and your is your your doctorate's in doctrine. Yeah. So the the class here at NBI is called Christian Theology, okay. and uh, my my PhD is in Systematic Theology, and uh, yeah, there's some words there, doctrine and so is doctrine theology. and theology are they different? They're 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 different, but they're closely related. Okay. Uh, you know, I just so, wonder uh, if people listening going, "What's the difference?" You right, I mean? right. Um, and so you can think of theology. It's it's a discipline. It's a, a practice that you can engage in where you're studying God, and then as you study God, doctrine is going to be the fruit of that. One of the fruits of that study. So doctrines are um, they're they're the teachings of the church or statements, uh, things that claims that we would make uh, about God or about uh, humanity about God's work in this world, things along those lines. So if that makes sense, theology yeah. is the discipline, the activity that you engage in. And as you engage in theology, you develop your doctrines. Is, your... is doctrine evolutionary? I mean, is it is it something that in time, like years ago, God was this way, now God is this way, so everything's different now, now God, is it, is, is, is yeah. that how it works? Or is doctrine, this is who God is? It, so so Jude Am I trying to start an argument here or no I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering <laughs> Yeah no you you're uh, you're getting me thinking Jude 3 mentions the faith once for all delivered to the saints and uh, my understanding of that verse where it says the faith it's not talking about uh, you having belief or faith in Christ though that's there but when it says the faith it's the content of that faith what we believe and certainly we believe that Christ is Lord we believe that he died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day but the way that that verse is used where it says the faith it we're talking there about the the overall content 
content of Christian teaching. Uh, so what what is the message that the apostles proclaimed? What is the overall teaching of the apostles as we have it in Scripture? So uh, when we think about... <clears throat> What, what our doctrine is. So your question is, does it evolve over time? Does it change? Well, no, there's, there's, the, there's the content that we have in Scripture, right? The apostles' teaching and the teaching of the prophets before them in the Old Testament. And of course, uh, we're told Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're even told that, it, that he doesn't change. Right. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What we can say, though, is that the apostle Paul knew things and expressed things differently than Abraham or Moses did in uh, the Old Testament. Absolutely. So oftentimes we'll talk about progressive revelation in the sense that Noah... Uh, just he didn't have a developed doctrine of the Trinity. He right. didn't have a, a a doctrine of the incarnation or the atonement, something right. like that. Uh, but he he knew of his need for God. He knew that God was the one who would save him, uh, atone for his sins. And then it develops through throughout uh, kind of biblical history where there's progressive revelation along those lines. The other thing I will say is that uh, as individuals, yes, frequently our theology evolves or changes over time because I don't know everything and you don't know everything and we need to learn and there are are times when we have uh, doctrines that we hold to that we need to repent of right uh, because they're unbiblical or sub-biblical or whatever that might be and so uh, a phrase that's sometimes used is pilgrim theology so i like that imagery of, of theology that we are pilgrims we are not yet to our eternal home we are not yet to our destination and we are seeking to know and love and worship God. And uh, along the way, we just recognize that that my conception of God at this moment isn't fully what it ought to be. Right. It, there's uh, elements of it that are idolatrous, or there are elements of it that are impure. And so in that sense, I would say uh, we are pilgrims. Right. Uh, and we, as, as we seek to understand God, it's going to develop, it's going to change. But as far as what's revealed in Scripture, uh, how the church as a whole uh, will express and affirm uh, our beliefs uh, know that that should not be changing. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think that's a great answer in, 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 a, in a simple way to be able to say we evolve in our understanding, but, but the understanding doesn't change, actually, because God doesn't change. I, my understanding changes, right, right. but the absolutes don't, and, and, and God is the same. Uh, he deals with us differently in different time periods, I think. Right. I mean, before Jesus died on the cross and different. I mean, we, we, we basically look at it and go, okay, I'm always growing and changing. One of my favorite things to do with students is some, a student will come to me and, and, and they'll be worried about something. And I say, can you, do you think you can trust God? And they'll go, yes. And I go, then act like it. I mean, <laughs> right. that's all. And I'm not really giving them an answer. No. I'm just saying, okay, you need to grow. But you're reminding them of Christian doctrine right. and to live as if it's true uh, that, you know, can you trust God? Yes, because he is trustworthy. Right. We know he's trustworthy, uh, but in the moment, our emotions, the worries of the world, uh, the winds that are blowing, we, we tend to quickly forget those things. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's what we're talking about here. There's a, there's a solid base in life. And it doesn't change. It's a foundation. It's there. It'll hold everything up if we know where it's at. We know how, you know, we build on it. Right. If you want to build off it, that's your issue. You know, right, I mean, right. Get on the foundation, whatever the foundation is. And that's really how I see the, the biblical premises, that the, the things in the Bible that just aren't going to change. Right, right. You know, these are things that the terms I like to use is 
you don't create truth, you discover it. Right. And all your life you're in that discovery mode, challenging what you believe according to what you're discovering in Scripture. You don't go to Scripture to try and create truth. You don't do that. No, it, it's it's an act of submission, which, you know, one of the doctrines we talk about in the class is the doctrine of Scripture. What is it? And we look at uh, its unique status, uh, right? Because there are a lot of words out there about God, but there's one word, uh, you know, his you know his, his word, Scripture. And so, you know, the doctrine of the Word of God, that it is uh, God-breathed, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is truthful. It's authoritative. We can, we can rely on it. And so we want to go to his word, build on that. And that's that's the sure foundation we're we're looking for. Yeah, you know, I encourage students all the time. You you have to understand that God absolutely loves you. He created you. He knows you inside and out. He already knows the truth. Just talk to him. Talk to him mm-hmm. about truth. You're not there to use his word to justify your life. You're there to discover what he says about life and how you should live, and understand when he says something, it, which is really hard for kids to understand that God has no opinions. They do. Right. So it's like everyone else you talk to, including me, will tell you what I think. And there's room for error there. Mm-hmm. But not with God. No. So go to him. Just start there, and you'll have at least that aspect going for you. You, you can come to me, and I'll tell you what I think, but I can also tell you how I've changed through the years on what I think. You know, a, a fancier way to say what you just said about uh us as humans having opinions, but God having no opinions because he has uh, full knowledge of all things. Uh, Theologians will talk about uh, God's knowledge of himself, which we'll call archetypal knowledge, where he just knows himself from the beginning, truly, fully. And then the other fancy word for our knowledge of God, ectypal, uh, is just to say that, that we aren't God, we don't know all things. Uh, And so getting back to us being pilgrim theologians, uh, you know, learning as we go along the way. Uh, yeah, we don't know, we don't have the same knowledge of God that he has of himself, right. where it's full and complete and total and instantaneous. Instead, we pick up bits and pieces along the way and we seek to put those together. And that shouldn't scare us, that shouldn't depress us because we aren't we aren't God, right? right. And, and uh, we can't know God in that sense that he knows himself. Um, obviously, uh, when we are uh, united with him in heaven eternally uh, our knowledge of him will be perfect but we will always be creatures and so as we're going we are see- you know we have these opinions and we're seeking to conform them more and more uh, to the revelation that God's given of himself uh, which what an amazing thing that is just in and of itself that this uh, glorious um, infinite God, right, who's high above us in the heavens, uh, who is invisible, um, that, we, that we would presume, right, to have it, like, think about how ridiculous just having a theology class right. is. It's a biology class. What's your topic of study? Life on this planet. Right. Okay, well, you can pick up a plant. You can look at an, an animal. You can study it. That's your object of study. Okay. Or geology, something along those lines. But theology, where we're, we presume to say that God would be an object of study for yeah. us. And uh, we have to, one of the things I, I do in my class at the beginning is quickly turn that around uh, to say, we're not going to get very far if we think we're going to hold God in our hands yeah. and uh, make decisions, make judgments about him. Uh, but instead, he's condescended. And he's condescended. He's agreed to reveal himself to us and what a gift that is and so just even the idea of studying God we talk about salvation being by grace but it's just any knowledge of God is by his grace and his goodness 
I always tell the kids, uh, you know, you got to understand that you don't understand before you can understand. Right. And and that's really it. God is that big. Uh, he doesn't really have perspective because he sees everything the way it is. So if somebody needs change, and it's me, not him, and I need to go to him with that. Um, once again, we're coming to you from the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch, and it's really on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. So I invite you to go over to NicolayBibleInstitute.org and find out some more information today about that and download this and the next episode. Goodbye for now.